don't think it's any coincidence that they decided to cancel the ball rollback. The PGA Tour did the same week we realized there's aliens because you know, how do you, how do you like, you know, how do you regulate alien tech in golf? I don't know what they're going to do. The leap will be so unfathomably fast once we get this new tech. And uh, as an alien expert, I can tell you there's there's likely multiple different types of aliens with uh, with different biologies. And I This is episode 63 of the Break 80 podcast. Stouds here, joined by the big fella, short sighted Mike, the smoke machine, top 100 Tim. And with July coming to a close, August closing in, the fields of summer are now down to about a month. And before we get to dive into a lot of things and, you know, summer winding down and kind of the depression of a lot of golf wrapping up here. We have more important news to discuss. Um, since we found aliens, do you think they have a faster swing speed than me? Oh, well, they, the Senate should have asked the uh, <laughs> Air Force guy, probably, if they any indication that the aliens could golf. You think they use your lower half pretty well? Uh, it, it's it, There's going to be a lot of different anatomy, but you have to assume the tech is going to be far superior. Well, far superior. I mean, how many arms do they have? They might have multiple ways to swing a golf club, Jeff, faster than you. You're you're limited to two. You're limited to your own uh, biology here, and and your and your and your two arms and two legs, basically. Uh, but I also don't think it's any coincidence that they decided to cancel the ball rollback. The PGA Tour did the same week we realized there's aliens, because you know <laughs> how do you how do you like. You know, how do you regulate alien tech in golf? I don't know what they're going to do. The, the leap will be so unfathomably fast once we get this new tech. And uh, as an alien expert, I can tell you there's there's likely multiple different types of aliens with uh, with different biologies. And I, I think what I saw on the table was a, a very short, squatty, almost uh, we'll ca- call him kind of a Brian Harmon shaped alien uh just just not a long hitter but uh god damn if he's not going to be accurate off the tee well i, I think, think go ahead Jeff. I, I was just gonna say i think we gotta get out, out ahead of this i mean be maybe the first first group to be possibly members at the the alien course out on a different planet i mean well this is this brings up a really interesting you know idea here intergalactic golf because i think the initial thought is these aliens are going to be fucking amazing. You know, they're going to be great golfers. Like, you know, Tiger Woods maybe is an alien. I don't know. Uh, Jesper Parnovic more than likely is or was, you know, for eating sand and all the shit he did in the nineties. But I'm going to go the other route. What if they're awful? What if we go, what if we go out on the intergalactic circuit and I pop a 78 and I'm treated like a God, like this guy, this guy can break 80. This is the greatest <laughs> player the galaxy's ever seen in whatever galaxy they're in. And I'm just like the Tiger Woods of some faraway galaxy, just, just shooting 76, 78, winning every tournament. That's where I think the, the, the real fascinating part becomes. Well, and, think- then, and, and then you're going to complain that the course, course is too flat, doesn't have enough 
Well, doesn't yeah. have enough open, you know, after, you know, <laughs> Mike's, Mike's on the moon, Mike's <laughs> on the moon complaining about the former water ruts. Oh my yeah. God. There used to be water here. <laughs> there, yeah. should, there shouldn't be anything here. Those, but are, bar- those are, those are barrancas, Tim on the moon, moon, bar- <laughs> moon barrancas. I heard there's already one pin up supposedly. Do you believe in that? <laughs> but this is a great, yeah, great topic. I mean, who knows what, who, who knows um, maybe, maybe the tailor-made bubble shaft in the nineties was brought to them by aliens. We don't know. You know, it looks so bizarre or the Cleveland vast irons looks so bizarre. Might we can confirm here. Confirmed here first, the Nike Sasquatch square alien tech. There's mm-hmm. no way that a human ear designed that, designed that driver to be used here by anyone. Yeah. I mean. I don't know if the USJ USJ will get on board here with some of their, you know, rules of, of what conforms to everything, but we might have a whole new uh, place to do golf business here coming up in the future. And the galaxy is far, far away. The good, the good news is I'll finally be able to carry it 300 on Mars, a lot lower <laughs> gravity, <laughs> pretty open out there. I hear <laughs> I can guarantee it to the aliens play fast, but will you be able to light a cigarette? With 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 all this, with the space well, suit, it, it, with the space no, suit no, on. I mean, with God, it's going to be smoky in there. <laughs> yeah, how could you play golf when you can't even see? <laughs> just a, just a haze. Uh, but stay tuned, folks, because uh, I, there, there's no way that, like, in in reality, there's no way that actually gets to a full Senate hearing, is it? Because that was like a that was like a one of those like side ones you know where it's like in a committee or something that would be crazy if that gets to a full-on senate hearing about some random air force guy that said he saw an alien so for those that uh, do watch (laughs) do watch alien conspiracies they did have some high-ranking trump officials on ancient aliens this (laughs) last season uh so things are coming more mainstream and may i say if the owners of skinwalker ranch uh big fan of that tv show as well if they're listening, we'd love to design the first golf course out there. I, I hear things get a little supernatural, a little spooky. I'm all about it because uh, you've seen me putt, so I'll I'll match the spooky <laughs> level. Oh, oh funny. Well, um, to get us back on track here, I, uh, our home tournament 3M just wrapped up today. Uh, this is we're taping here Sunday night. Um, you know, back to kind of another extremely boring Sunday. I mean, we just have two back-to-back tournaments where somebody's played such, you know, um, better golf than everybody else that, you know, this week it was Lee Hodges, his first PGA tournament win. You know, unexciting fashion, one wire to wire, which you don't see happen very often. I think um, I think I saw somewhere that JT post and was the last one to do that, the John Deere. Um, you know, he, he broke the 72-0 scoring record, which you know, I think it was held by Matt Wolf. Uh, yeah. So I, I, what I'd like to do is just explore our week. I mean, we had, we had, we're going out there, you know, Monday, basically Monday through, through Sunday, we had somebody there at all, you know, every day and just talk about kind of some of our experiences and what we saw. And, you know, one of the things that people need to understand is, you know, we, we had media credentials and what, what that kind of means is you have quote unquote, some access. I mean, you can, can do some things that maybe somebody that doesn't, you know, just bought a ticket um, can't do. But what you have to really do is make 
contacts, make connections, you know, meet people and try to just get out there and, and constantly, you know, do your best to, to meet, meet more and more and more people and then kind of expand your, your, your circle. Because when it comes to content, you know, we're basically not allowed to post really, you know, technically anything that we film or um, do that has anything to do with the golf. So it's, it's kind of a, the rules and regulations of it are pretty tight. And so that's kind of maybe why you didn't see a ton of stuff. Cause it's just not something we can, or we're, we're or maybe we're just kind of being a little more cautious because, you know, we don't want to um, ruin, ruin that in any way, way, shape or form. But uh, what we can do is talk about our week and some things that we saw and some people we talked to and some things we experienced. So I think I like to open up, up, up to the floor, um, you know, maybe going back to Monday and Tuesday, especially because that was kind of the, you know, when you think of a tournament Thursday, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're in, they're in play mode. They want to play well. They're, you know, especially players and even some caddies are really locked in on, on the rounds and don't have a lot of, you know, extra time for, for things. So going back to Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, staying on the range, things like that. Were some things that you guys uh, picked up on or conversations you had or things you saw or witnessed that uh, you think would be valuable to the listener? I would say Monday and Tuesday, well, Wednesday included as well, just the best, just the best days. You've got the full field out there. And if you get in front of when to expect people to come out, especially for their, their pro-ams, um, just the access, the availability to players, the lack of, uh, I, will, I won't say like lack of security guards, but just the the ability to move around as you wish was phenomenal. Um, I think our, our biggest breakthrough was cresting the hill right in front of the driving range, realizing that no one was going to stop us with our media badges and walking directly <laughs> into 10 Absolutely. feet behind the players as they're hitting mm. and uh, starting to strike up conversations with people. And especially Monday, Tuesday were some of the best days to do it. There was just, uh, there was so much more casual interactions with the players versus Thursday when the ropes were closed, we couldn't go back there anymore. Um, and the players were, were a bit more focused because their, their true job had started. Yeah. They, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, easily the best for us, better than the actual tournament days. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I, I think real realistically with the media passes, we could walk up right up to a guy in the range if we really wanted to and, try to strike up a conversation on those days. Um, and some guys were good about, you know, kind of BSing and we kind of knew a few people from before. Uh, but yes, the other thing that was great about those days with the media passes is we basically could walk in the inside the ropes and during pro-ams. Tim and I on Monday night and Wednesday night basically just walked with like Ryan Gerard's group and Ludwig Aber's group and just kind of, hung out inside the ropes watching those guys play in the pro-am and talking to caddies and the players and lit you know you can you can actually then listen up close what they kind of chit chat about you know tee shots and stuff like that so that's pretty cool uh when it comes to access uh when it comes to players i think your casual golf fan probably shows up maybe watches 15 minutes of the practice area when they warm up and then you listen, watch them play. What you don't see is kind of what we saw where, I mean, those guys are grinding for hours and hours practicing, you know, they putt for a couple, two, three hours. 
uh, Brant Snedeker, I think when Tim and I saw him hitting drivers, we left and went, you know, whatever. He was still hitting drivers like two and a half hours later, you know, just ball after ball after ball trying to figure out things. And he's not the only one. I mean, there's guys out there forever practicing and obviously they're really good, but they also understand that they got to get better too, you know, to rise to the level of competition they're playing against. So that's what's, that what's is what impresses me. I mean, I wouldn't be able to move the next day with the amount of balls. Some of those guys are hitting. It's crazy. I was, I was a bit surprised too. The, the number of training aids I saw, obviously we all came away with, with one in particular that we found, um, the most interesting one that we might all purchase that that small squishy ball you put between your forearms. I like but that one. There were shit dangling off of hats. There was all sorts of mirrors on the green. There were levels. There were strings over the top of putters. There were things to control elbow movement. There was anything under the sun um, as advanced as as everyone having the GC quad to. Uh, Zach Blair having his phone out right behind, supported with a T while he was talking to see his impact point in a stroke. Um, so just seeing these guys grind with with what we would consider every day, every man kind of things. JT, Justin Thomas, for instance, just having Bones video his swing on a camera and then just flipping through it to see where he is at the top of the backswing um, to the most advanced tech out there. So it was it was really interesting to see these guys these guys grind and I think Mike after uh, you know tying tying me almost almost losing on on Saturday might have to <laughs> try to find a couple swing aids and, well, and get actually, back at it. <laughs> I did take a, I did take a few things to the course that day from watching the guys play or practice. I was uh, a little more deliberate with my chipping, which I actually did chip well when I missed a green. I almost made I was you know the tap in range. And I was a little more deliberate trying to hold the follow through on swings just to have a little more better balance, which I actually kept balls online. I just had a few bad swings here and there, but yeah, you hit yeah. it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You played well. I don't know. Nothing. I, I mean, I didn't make any birdies. I didn't play, I didn't play bad. I made 14 pars for God's sake. Right. But Let's anyway, stop your guys' the, love fest with you guys. You played uh, well. Oh, you played so well too. That's so back cute. To the, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think. One thing you'll notice if you go to a tour event on a practice day, I don't think there's a single guy that putts without something. Tees down, you know, for a gate, mirror, string. They all use something rather than, you know, your everyday player just goes and throws some balls down and starts, you know, trying to make putts. They're working on something while they're doing it very deliberately. Um, The other thing that I find kind of crazy is is like around the putting green the first couple of days all of the putters they test out they're con- those pros are constantly looking at different putters you know not all of them some of them are really good but there's guys that are you know the odyssey guys got 30 putters down and the, and the scotty guys got putters down and they the pros are, are checking with them can we uh take the glare off this by uh sandblasting it and you know so it looks a little different and, and bend it this way and do this and that it's uh it's a pretty intricate thing uh, but the pros are always trying to find something better. They're always tinkering. I did. Uh, I did make the conscious decision after watching the guys grind over putts for hours and hours and hours that I texted Hunter over at Golo Golf and I said, "Just get me a lab. I don't want to practice like that. That looks brutal. <laughs> I, uh, I I just want something that's idiot proof." Um, 
I had a couple observations on the driving range. I, I showed up Monday morning, like the, you know, so, I think we were able to get in like at 9 a.m. So I showed up and, and I just kind of noticed a couple of things that I think could be interesting to the, to the, you know, regular golf fan. And, you know, when I, when I first showed up, first of all, I didn't even recognize Billy Horschel, you know, he had a beard and I didn't even, you know, other, other than his name, finally getting put into the slot where it says, you know, who it is. I was like, I don't even know who that guy is. Then they put, you know, like, Oh my gosh, that's Billy Horschel. Of course, once I started looking at it, he's trying. I mean, you can't find a more methodical guy. Like he is, he is like, you know, take back, freeze, thump, freeze. You know, he's got the alignment sticks down. He is the most like mechanical guy, and I think that maybe gets in his way at times. I can just see like he just doesn't free flow things very much, and that's why I think he's a very hot or cold player. Like it seems like he's on, or he's off. Um, also just seem super unapproachable, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that you, you know, you got to, we were talking about making contacts. I mean, he just looked like he had this aura about him where it's like, I don't even want to think about saying anything to him. Cause he just looked like he was in his own world. And even the golfers that were showing up, weren't saying a word to him. You know, I, I'm kind of, I'm trying my best to kind of pick up on things. I think that's one thing as a, as a teacher, I do well, I read the room pretty well. And it's like, I'm watching the dynamics of these pros as they start showing up and like, nobody's really going over to him and, and saying what's up. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is he's hitting next to him, pulls up Sahith the gala. And I think I tweeted this out, but so he shows up and, you know, Billy's got the quad down. He's got this, you know, swing aid. He's got all this stuff going. So shows up, maybe pretends to stretch for 30 seconds, grabs a, a wedge and starts ripping at every one of these flags. I mean, maybe hit three shots at each flag, just, you know, very like, then he gets out the driver. So he's only hit like seven balls, rips out a driver, um, hits two money cuts right off the bat. His third one though, double crosses and hits the Wilson staff truck. His fourth one double crosses hits the Wilson staff truck. Again, he looks back and gives me like this. He, face and all he does is he takes his body and he aims the farthest right you could possibly aim <laughs> it's one more driver and then he's done then he went on to something else i could i mean you talk about a, a field player like just uh you he didn't have all the gadgets and gizmos he he just you could tell he's he's got more of a feel he's got more of just a play style it doesn't say he doesn't practice i'm not saying that i just think he was not in this Billy Horschel mindset mode where it's like, God, I got to just do everything perfect, right? Um, I watched Eric Cole literally hit 10 to 15 drivers that I could not tell a single swing apart. I, the, the ball flight did the exact same thing every single shot. And it's like, he kept going and it's like, wh- what else do you need to see? I mean, I don't know if he was trying to get to a certain number on his, you know, maybe a carry number or something that he was trying to do. But every time he swung the club, it had this little five-yard draw on it, same height on it every time. But they're so specific. He's You could tell he's trying to get to something. And then I talked to him afterwards. I just talked to him for like, you know, a really quick conversation. He's like, yeah, it's going, all, you know, he's kind of like, oh, it's going okay. I was like, oh, you hit some really good drives. Or, yeah, it's, you know, it's going okay. Like you, I was just like, what else do you need to see? Like, what are we, what are we looking for here? I mean, with my, my, you know, the, the eye test tells me that you're going to hit the ball really well this week off the tee. And I think he finished uh, like T 30th or something like that. But um, I thought that was interesting. Um, watching Gary Woodland hit balls um, gets me um, aroused. Just, yeah, I, I cannot, <laughs> I don't know how he, 
I don't know how he, it almost seems like he gets bored. Like he just has this ball flight in this effortless flick at the ball and the ball just jumps off his club and he hits these rips, these dead straight ones on a string. And it's like, okay, you must have I've, a I've really seen, bad short game because I don't know. I've, oh, I've seen, I've seen some things more penetrating than his ball. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is oh it's just to watch him hit golf balls but again like you know he didn't even make the cut i mean he was he shot he was like in the hot which is is it's wild right it's it's wild to see guys that just show up to the range and you could throw a, a blanket over their eight iron over their driver just miss the golf ball out there and, yeah, and you I, wonder how that happens i i didn't understand that so i thought that was interesting you guys um had kind of you were telling me I didn't see this one, but you were saying that Ryan Fox's swing was pretty interesting watching on the range. Yes, Holy. way past parallel and like left foot, like completely opened up. Kills it though. Holy Christ! Yeah, there was so much lag. Like I thought, I thought Gary Woodland had a lot of lag in his his backswing, the the shaft um, flex. But wow, Fox was it was damn near John Daly with how much flex he was getting out of that shaft. Didn't help him though. I missed a cut. No. So yeah, no. all these guys were intrigued by it. Um, so that was, we spent a lot of time on, on the range. I think that's a great place to, to just see for your own eyes, like what golf shots look like and how often they hit the club face and how it sounds and what does it look like? And then there's like a hundred players and you know, it's like the difference between this guy and this guy, most doesn't you know don't notice a whole lot maybe and you know there's just it's but when it comes down to it some some score and some don't so I, I thought that was kind of interesting um you know you know moving on through the week I was gonna you know bring up a couple other things that happened but is there anything else from would you guys notice in terms of Monday or Tuesday stuff that was interesting a couple, to couple you? just interesting odd stories that 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 happened right um I, w- I would say the oddest of fellows was Zach Blair and the Russian and our interaction with them in the rain. Uh, yeah, that, was good. that was good. I wouldn't call him odd. I thought he's a, he's a super golf course wonk. Oh yeah. But it was that Monday. Is that the Monday pro am Monday? Yes. So we're out there and uh, we're following ZB. And I think what we're coming we're coming around off 17 and the horn blows for the second time, giving us the real warning. Oh yeah, there's a storm coming. So we start to follow our way back without teeing off on 18 uh, to the clubhouse. And we get midway down 18 down the clubhouse side on the right side of the lake. And it just starts pouring. And here we are, Mike, myself, Zach Blair, his caddy, and about three other players in their caddies all huddled into this little tiny, what you would call a, almost like a soccer pop-up tent. And we are pretty much huddled as close as we can be. And here's Zach Blair taking a video of how bad the Minnesota rain is coming down. And oh, we we certainly bonded with the guys out there because we stayed out there for pretty much the totality of that pro-am. And it had to be especially for the afternoon, like the, the later afternoon guys in eight hour pro-am round at just a, a $3,000 the hard way. Yeah. Just. Gross. Yeah. And, and not uh, cool out there. It was hotter than hell every day, except for the weekend rounds, basically. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, you go, you even go back to those guys out there practicing and grinding and hitting ball after ball. It was not nice weather. It was humid, hot, just disgusting out. Um, I'd, I'd say one more thing about Tuesday too. It is a surprise that we're still here because boy, did I have a great interview. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Well, We'll talk about that in a second. Anything else from? Well, I was just going to say Zach Blair also played White Bear Yacht Club. I think on a Wednesday. Wednesday he, was, he did. Yeah, he's going to go play that. So that was interesting. He was asking us about places he he, he should play besides that one. Would you say? Uh, Minnesota, Midland. He had a guy from Midland in his group, Winsong. You know, he'd already played Spring Hill, and he's already played you know some of the other ones. Okay. Uh, uh, by the way, speaking of Zach Blair, he got his tour card for next year. He only had two events left of, of his major medical exemption. He shot 64 today. And uh, what did he end up? T- T5, I think, right? T5 or something like that, yeah. Or, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah I was, maybe, at least top 10, I think, for sure. Yep. He was Here T7 when I left. He was T7 when I left. And I, I hadn't checked, but yeah, he was looking strong out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good for him. Maybe maybe that's you know, maybe those good vibes that you guys had in the tent. Well, that break well. 80 break 80 bump break 80 bump. and it's kind of cool too like you want when you watch Zach Blair play you know 90% of these guys are you know big power hitters you know they hit it pretty far he does not he knows his game he just plays you know how he plays hits very straight driver doesn't go that far you know, yesterday we were on hole two Callum and uh Adam Long were way ahead of him he just hits long iron off the middle of the green and great putter and that's how mm-hmm. he plays he's had a good last like few months yeah, so good good for him. Congrats on the card. Uh well, yeah, let's get to the the A topic here. We we got so again with, with with these media credentials, one thing that we are able to do is we can go watch or be a part of these um well the scheduled press conference are the ones that we knew were gonna happen. And then after round we could have gone to those too. They're just kind of in a different location, so we didn't really attend those, but we did tend to Justin Thomas press conference. Um that happened on Tuesday, I believe. Right? Was that Tuesday? Yep. Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday afternoon, I think it was. So Tuesday afternoon, scheduled press conference, Justin, you know, Justin Thomas. And I have no idea what to expect. You know, like, what does this look like? Here's a, here's a press announcement. He's coming on at two 30. All right. Sounds good. Let's, let's go check it out. Let's go to it and see what, see what happens. Well, we show up and it's in the corner of our media tent. And there's like, seem like six chairs sitting there. um, Maybe nine. And I would say at most there was maybe eight to 10 people, right? I mean, we were three of them. We were three of them. So like, I I thought this would be like the, I was thinking in my head, like this whole, you know, this whole media tent would be filled up and no, it's just this tiny little corner. Nobody really there. Um, And kind of in my, I don't know. For me, again, I like to really try to read rooms. Like I'm trying to just figure out what is this thing going to be like? What are questions that people are going to ask? Like, I I don't want to just, you know, we have, we have access to ask a question, but I just don't know where this press conference, you know, they want to direct it or where they want it to go to or what, what Justin is expecting. So I just kind of sit there, take it all in, you know, in my head, I'm thinking of a question I could ask if they ask me, I'm like, uh, you know, but I want to get, an idea of some of these people that have been at press conferences before. What do they ask? What do they say? And up until when Tim got the microphone, you know, Justin's been struggling. And and for the most part, you know, there's a lot of positivity there. You know, he's, he's, he's right there. Justin's talking about it's, it's close. I can't, I can't quite pinpoint why I'm not scoring. Well, I, you know, I I've got, you know, yes, I have played a really bad round at 
you know, over at Liverpool, but then I came back with another good one. So I know it's in there. I'm just going to think of that as an outlier. The positivity vibes were great. And then, and then Tim got the microphone and I can tell you right now from experience of the Tony Finau press conference that Mike and I kind of basically look at each other and say, what is going to happen here? Mike, what were you thinking? Listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that these these liberal media types want to ask these softball <laughs> questions all the time, not address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that he hadn't played well. So for the listeners, because there is a transcript out there. In fact, it was such a good question. It was discussed on PGA Tour Radio the very next morning. It was one of the only questions brought up from the press conference with JT. But the question went as such. Justin... It's well-documented. You're friends with Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, folks that have had slower portions of their career. Wondering, as you're close with them, what dialogue's been like, what conversa- conversations have been like currently around, around your game. And his body language kind of shifted a little bit compared to where he was. It started off okay saying he's got great friends and then then he backed that up with saying well i'm i just won a major you know last year and i'm still top 20 in the world and then and then he missed the cut so i I uh, think psychologically mike Mike, you can chime in this for a second i think psychologically what he was trying to portray in the press conference was the fact that he's not far off as people want to think he is like in his own head i think he's trying to go into this this tournament this week with as much positivity, whether it's false confidence or not, I think he's just, you know, he doesn't want to act like he's as low as, you know, people are maybe thinking he is. And he's trying to find every little positive. Yeah. He's still 20th in the world. hundred percent true. You know, yeah, he did win a major last year, hundred percent true. But anybody that's watched him play golf, there's been, he hasn't shot 81 or two. I don't know if ever he shot it twice in the last like month. I mean, like, there is some something there. There's some some bad golf being played. I don't know if he quite wanted to hear that. I think he wants to I think he wanted to come into this week with like just all trying mentally, psychologically to think that he is going to go out there and perform at this amazing and he wanted no none of the fact that you know he's not playing well to be to be discussed. What was your take, Mike? Yeah, I can sum this up pretty quickly for the listeners here. Uh, oh, he's a, got his notepad. It was a very positive interview for about 15 minutes with JT. Everything was positive. He was in a good frame of mind. And then Tim brought the flamethrower out and just burnt the whole thing. <laughs> and just, just burnt the whole thing to the ground. JT tried to put a positive spin on it, but there was no, uh, he was pretty much done after that. I, I I really was hoping it was going to be this whole like camaraderie conversation. Like, yeah, I've been working with Jordan on blah, 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 like this headspace or, you know, talking to Tiger about this. And, you know, I'm still in conversations with, with the Ryder cup team possibility, but nope, we went, we went South quick, which is, which is fine. It was great to see him grinding out there uh, on, on Friday or on Saturday. So it was just like Dateline where they, where they, where they lure the predator somewhere and then they, and then they jump in and they surprise him with why he's really there. It's like he was he was lured in by the media with all these rosy questions. And then Tim chimed in. I'm I'm Chris Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? 
This is a Saturday, Justin. <laughs> I don't know if his last name is Wallace, but Chris Hansen, I think it is. Chris, Chris Hansen. Hansen. Yeah, Chris, Chris Hansen. Hansen. Chris Hansen. What Catch you a predator. This is a Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, in, in the, even like his answer, you could tell like he was just spinning circles. Like he didn't want to, he didn't want to take his situation and compare it to their situations because, you know, like, you know, even you could even throw in there Smiley Kaufman, right? I mean, he's good friends with Smiley, and he's gone through it. The lowest point, he's out of golf, basically, right? There, there is like there is some things there. Like, there's something there, Tim. Like, I I don't think it was a bad idea. Like, it's like you can't look at that question and say what the heck were you think because there's something there. Like, all of his oh, buddies have gone for, through something like that sure. in some way, shape, or form. But I think he just wanted to, in his head, think he's not that far down as they were kind of thing like well, this is not the same situation and technically he's he's right i mean they were all you know tiger had some real down years for a variety of reasons uh ricky Fowler was outside the top 200 and speed was way down past 50th in the world rings i think so i mean yeah but that he for surely was trying to deflect the, to the positive as much as possible so yeah, that was uh that was quite the experience. And and let's just say needless to say, I think that I think basically the questioning was done after that one, wasn't it? Was that the last one? <laughs> no, the closers? I find it hard to believe that the pod the, the pod here, no matter how big we get, will ever have Justin Thomas on. <laughs> no, Even actually he didn't give our Tim did not give our pod names. That helped probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah at least I didn't pick start, any podcast here. With... So thank goodness he didn't do that. <laughs> But uh, there was actually one more question after. I think he tried to save the, the you know, veterans comes in and asks the question to kind of save the press conference. The old softball. <laughs> the I, old... I, I, I slid the old slider by him, and then he just throws a fucking lobber in there for the home so... run. Come on. <laughs> throw some high heat, you know? Yeah. So uh, that was memorable, though. Come on, right? That was fun. I mean, oh, yeah, it, was, well, it, was, it was cool to be, I, be there and be part of it. I thought they were going to rip up our laminated press badges on the spot after his <laughs> expression change, to be honest. <laughs> the mood of the room when the he walks out, we just didn't know what to do. <laughs> First of all, I could see Mike just kind of not pretend like he knows Tim until <laughs> Thomas was outside of the media. <laughs> he turns his badge the opposite way so they can't see that we're from the same organization. So just, re- just remember forever that if the U.S. loses the Ryder Cup this year, this was going to be the week where JT turned it around, made the team, and one of the best match play players in the history of the USA was going to be there until Tim killed killed the vibe and and th- he doesn't make the Ryder Cup squad now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that was that was that had to be the peak moment of the week for us. That was that was that was uh, that was something else. Um, so hopefully, Justin, if you're hearing this. We love. I am sorry. I, I, Let's discuss. I, I, thought I had had very good intentions of that question. I, I, I didn't foresee it going that way. I will. Uh, I will say this though. You know, Justin Thomas is it is definitely working at it. He was out there on Monday night hitting range balls. He was one of the only few out there with bones. Uh, we saw him putting on Saturday after he missed the cut. He's working there. So I'm sure at some point in time he'll get it back. But, yeah, he's in the woods right now. He uh, he hit two into the water on 18 there in the one round. Would you he say he's two, he's two off doubles. the planet? Yeah, he is. He's off the planet right now. <laughs> Intergalactic. Yeah, did somebody else get inside his body? Is this, I mean, is this something we need to discuss? Maybe, I mean, you know. Something goofy going on there. Um, I was just going to bring up a couple other things that we that, uh, that we did throughout the week. So, so one thing that was, I think we did this on this one on Saturday. So um, another uh, 
situation that we try to get in the middle of, whatever you call it, would be Kevin Yu was was about to, you know, he was absolutely tearing up the golf course. At one, I think we saw him birdie eleven, and Mike was that to get eight under through eleven. Yes, he had birdied. He had birdied eight of the last nine at that point. Eight of the last nine he had birdied. He's eight yeah. under through eleven holes. So we're like, we gotta get out there. Like we gotta watch this. This guy's gonna shoot fifty nine, and we can see it live. So. We get everything up, and, you know, we each grab a, a, a drink for the road. We walk out to hole 12 because we figure par five, dudes get a birdie. So we walk out there. We get to the green. He's he's basically, what, five feet from the green. It's a back pin. Yep. Um, he pulls out a wedge, which I thought was interesting. I thought he would put it. No, nope, he's going he's gonna to wedge it. Wedges it to four feet, like six inches or something like that. Just a beautiful shot. Um, Tim gets out the... And maybe I don't know if you got to put this thing on, if you got to put his his um, audio on here or not. I don't know if you're going to sneak that in there. But Tim starts to commentate, you know, over this four footer that he has. He even gives Mike a, a microphone to start discussing this shot. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start. He's gonna make this putt. We're gonna go to 13. He's gonna be just dialed. Nope, doesn't even hit on this putt. He doesn't even touch the hole. Like it was not a good read. Didn't lip out or nothing. Just a bad push. In the mojo, then he goes in the bunker in the next hole, just completely jinxed him. Yeah, and Tim's uh, out, Tim, Tim was out here killing vibes, Tim was killing vibes all, all week, like like bar clothes. It's like bar clothes time. Everybody, everybody wants to party, and, and Tim's just shutting the bar down. <laughs> hold on now all right we had we had fan favorites of the podcast get the old bump still right ryan gerard making the cut we had doc redmond going low we had zach blair ZB. top tenning uh there's there's some favorites out there that that did really well now the new add-ins not a part of the cool group yet not getting the bumps they're not in the bathroom stall with us we also right? but uh... they could be so We've been circling the wagons of, around Ludwig's entire posse here. We got we, <laughs> yes. Mike is a stalker. He's a trench coat out there. <laughs> we had we we walked we walked with Ludwig's group during the pro album right there. We went to that dinner with his caddy, talked to his agent, who I didn't know was his agent, otherwise we would have had him on the pod by now. Um talked to his mom. We walked like two holes with his mother out there. All we have left to do is get Ludwig on future world number well, no, one, baby. No. We still have to figure out: is his dad the scientist, PhD doctor, <laughs> or is his dad the composer, musician? God, I hope it's the musician somehow. That'd be a way better story. Just way, <laughs> it'd be amazing. Or is it neither? Or is it neither? We have no idea. So, if any listeners know uh, Ludwig Aberg's parents, more specifically the dad, please let us know because it's a mystery. <laughs> My, Mike's crush for this, yeah, maybe, Mike's crush maybe, for this yeah. guy is. Is second to none. He's I told him crushing hard on lug. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a stud. I I told (laughs) the uh, I had to go up and make I made sure in the pro am I went up to the uh, guys in his group. Oh, this is after, by the way, he almost hit it into a bunker with a two iron that was 305 yards away off the tee. Um, I went up to the guys in his group. I said, You guys do realize who you're playing with, right? And they're like, yeah, he's really good. I'm like, no, no, you don't realize that you're playing with a guy who might be number one in the world one day. He's that good. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I didn't know the one guy was his manager. So he was following with them. So we knew him somehow. And I just turned around when he's putting, you know, and this is in like the pro apps. You can be a little louder. And I go, I go, Luke Donald had any balls. You just put him on the team right now. And it, was, it ended up being his agent. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and then of course, of course, Mike just picks out somebody like I think that's his mom. I'm gonna go talk to her. So he goes and approaches her, and you know, starts kind of smoothing up with the mom. So you know, he's trying to crack that inner circle. He's trying his best. He's throwing just haymaker after haymaker to try to get inside that Ludwig Egbert um, circle, and maybe made a dent this week. Maybe you know, just maybe. Us Swedes stick together. Us Swedes, you know, I got a lot of Swedish descent in me. A lot of blood. Sounds like uh, we know who's getting a Christmas card, the Abert family. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess the only other thing that, that I had on here, we, you know, we've we've I don't know, we followed certain groups. It's kind of fun to see some guys. Uh we followed some local guys, uh uh Frankie Sappin, um, play some holes. He had some really good shots. Um who else did we follow? We got to I didn't see much of Derek Kitchener. Did you guys? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Talk to uh, talk to Caleb Van Aragon. Got his number. We can set up an interview there. He's had a heck of a summer. Yep, yep. So he he's he was out there. He kind of you know settled the nerves. Was three over through three right away, and then I think he finished at like five over or four he over. Shot, he shot seventy day too. Okay, so he was I think yeah. four over, and he was three over through three holes to start. So that's quite the quite the the battle that he had. So congrats to him for you know playing in his first um, PGA Tour pro event actually in any any capacity. I, I think. I have an interesting story for you. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Did we lose mics? Okay, there you go. Huh? I I, I Um, couldn't hear you for a second there. So I started talking to, you know, trying to take this pod international here. So I started started talking (laughs) to, there was a... uh, Ni hao and konnichiwa. Yeah, there's like, there's a fairly large Asian contingent in the media tent, probably five, six people. And I just so, I was out by the range and I just so happened to, this young gal was walking by and she was, she stops. I started talking to her and um, she's from Tokyo. And I don't think, I mean, I think some people do, but I don't know if a lot of, um, a lot of just general golf fans understand just how big of a deal Hideki Matsuyama is. So she is there and her only job is she follows him every round and writes a report for the biggest newspaper in Japan after every round he plays like a, like how things went for, so she's going to Wyndham next week. And the when she doesn't go back to Japan, she said till after the FedEx cup. So she literally, it's just, well, there was, there's, there was one other guy from Japan in the field too. They covered a little bit, but it's basically just following Hideki around and writing about every single round he plays for the people back in Japan. That's how big of a deal he is back there. Just wild. I, I have to mention a couple groups too that I had the the chance to follow around a bit. One is uh, Ryan Gerard and Will Davidson, who's his, his caddy, and just a phenomenal group. They're actually the first ones to let us under the ropes there for the Monday pro am to get to follow right side by side and and get a chance to hear what those interactions are like between player and caddy, the kind of the mathematics or the the physics behind choosing a club, choosing a shot shape, choosing a, a trajectory and and all of that based off walking off yardages that are are pre-written down in in those books. Cause I'm gonna be honest, even though the yardage guns are are legal, I didn't see a single one come out. Everyone's walking things off. So kind of that old school nature of caddying and and how wonderful it was and how hospitable those two were um to to have us under the ropes and kind of get that insider insider view and uh a huge shout out to ryan for making the cut 
again. So on quite a streak, I think he missed he missed the one at, at John Deere, but um, on quite a streak since Will got onto the bag. And I think the even cooler one, and you've got a, a flat bill hat on right now, Mike, for the, the listeners Doc, that can't baby. see, but yeah. my God, I, good, good on Joel Damon, very personable on Netflix on the show, not as personable out on the course. Doc Redmond will, will give you a golf ball out of his bag. If he's not down to the last one, he'll oh, stop yeah. and shake hands, kiss babies. And just the way he plays golf, you would swear he is just a nonchalant muni golfer out there that just happens to shoot a 64 or 65 in his, his last round of the tournament. I, it just, his, his demeanor out there is so casual. He's super cool with fans. Um, that's, that's and he, he, he gives off, he gives off the energy. Like it's a bad shot. He'll show you that it's a good shot. He'll show you that. And he's just got this kind of, kind of like cool swagger hipster style to him. That's a little bit different than anything else. Yeah. I got a, I got a text from a buddy today. He says, my kids have made a killing. He went to, he went on Sunday. They've gotten a ball from Hoagie, a ball from Vincent Norman and a glove and two sign balls from Doc Rudman. Doc's and this man, was, and this was before he knew that, you know, the vibe, the, the break. Yeah, Doc's, vibe. Doc's he had man. no idea. And so that, that tells you right there, you know, that he's a, he's a good dude. And, uh, willing to uh, interact with with the fans, so pretty cool. I will I will say this too. I was hanging out outside that that signing area, the autograph area, uh, right before I left this this Sunday, and these kids were chirping the players. Give me your hat. Give me your glove. You know, give me X, Y, and Z. Blah blah blah. And and the players are coming off like, dude, I'm not giving you my hat. What are you? Are you crazy? You want a sweaty hat after all this? And I'm walking by as I'm leaving. I go, hey. Mix it up a little bit, kids. Ask for the car keys. They're going to laugh. They're going to give you something after that one. They're not even their car. Just give it to them. Say they lost them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Doc, we got his contact info. So probably maybe after the window, we better let him focus for this week with the last event. Uh, try to get him on. But yeah, I mean, Carson Young, like we, we clarified or confirmed that they caught fish in the 17 pond. Uh, Northern Young Pike did. is in there. Yeah, There's Northern like Pike in the 17 yes. Pond. I did not know that. I figured it'd be a bass haven, but yep. he confirmed in Northern Pike. So that was pretty cool. Well, the last thing I wanted to do with the 3M um, before we kind of move on to other things as we, you know, keep this pod maybe their shorter shorter time tonight. But was the um, the qualifier to get into the 3M? You know, there's some some cool stories there. Uh, you know, I want to share with first of all some of the names that try to try to qualify some are pretty classic um, names that you may know um, from, you know, maybe older guys that have been on the tour before or things like that. Like, um, so soon you'll know, try to qualify DA points. I mean, dude, once upon a time, one at Pebble uh, Jonas Blix uh, tried to try to qualify here at victory links and, and Blaine um, another name on here, Wesley, Brian, big YouTube guy. One yep. at one at uh, Hilton Head, he, he actually has a, a PGA Tour win. Um, so Wesley Bryan tried to qualify. Uh, Minnesota's own Brady Matson, Matt Every is a name. He's these the Arnold Palmer Bay Hill Killer they call him. One back to back years at Bay Hill, tried to uh, tried to qualify. Ben Crane, one of the golf wow. boys, one of the golf boys was out here trying to qualify. Um, let's see if there's anything else I remember seeing that's, I mean, from names, notice, noticeable names, that's probably about it. 
But the four that did, six under got you in. I'll actually take that back. Six under would have gotten you into a playoff, and there was a four for three playoff there. Um, one of Minnesota's very own, kind of a cool story here, Eric Van Royen's caddy, Alex Goggert, uh, got one of those spots. So that was kind of a cool story to start the week. Um, Eric Van Royen had to figure out, pivot away from his his caddy and go in a different direction as his caddy qualifies and actually ends up playing in the same group as Eric Van Royen. So Yeah, the, the PJ Tour did him a solid there. That was kind of cool. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and then the, the the big the big story out of there was the fact. Well, another big story was um, a guy named Daniel Gale. Uh, I think he's Australian, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But he shoots a 60, 11 under. I mean, you know, when the the second place was six under. So by five shots, I mean he's flirting with 59. It's a par 71. Shoots 11 under. Holes out on the last hole, I believe, to shoot that. Um, Really cool story. I know he ended up not making the cut, uh, but seems like a really cool dude. Hoping to maybe possibly have him on the pod at some point here soon. Um, so what what we what Tim and I decided to do? What night would this have been? Last night, Tim. Mm-hmm. Yep, last night, Saturday. Last night, we decided let's go out to Victory Links after you know a long day at the 3M and let's play it from the back tees and see how close we can get to qualifying. You know. Kind of an idiotic idea, kind of fun, but you know, just how bad could this get? So we did. Went out to Victory Links. Um, you know, played from the very back tees, tried to see, you know, what we'd kind of shoot. Uh, you know, there's so many scores in the red, all these guys that are trying the the qualifying life, I just can't imagine what that life is like. I mean, you are flying out for one round and you better find it. You can even see guys that are WDing and they're two under through you know, 14, 13, and they're just like, I, I can't, I'm not qualified. I'm done. So, I mean, it's like, you have to have this mindset where I think Patrick Reed was a Monday qualifying, you know, guru, you know, he just had that. He just could, to, could dive into that mindset. And some people just, it's really hard. You, you get 18 holes. That's it. So, so Tim and I bogey one, and we basically tell ourselves, well, we're not qualifying. <laughs> we're not, I didn't bring that up. We're not qualifying. <laughs> yeah, we, we leave immediately. We're done. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a different kind of a feel. I think, you know, we, we played in a qualifier this year, right? It was only 18 holes and it's like, it's just a lot of pressure on, you know, that particular round and you've got to, you've got to have all cylinders firing, you know, if you're going to be qualifying some guys put a lot of, I don't know what, do we ever find out how much it costs to, I think Mike, you kind yes. of have inkling on yes. that, right? If you are uh, a, if you are a non PGA member, it's five hundred dollars. There, there's a I bunch of two fifty. There's it's up to five hundred for people is the max, depending on your. Uh, I don't know how it works. Like like Daniel Gale might have gets since he played in a PGA event, he might have some cheaper options. I think the cheapest one's a hundred. It goes down to like a hundred dollars for. Um, there's like a scale of like five or six different prices. It's anywhere from a hundred to five hundred dollars, depending on your different status. And like Ben yep. Crane has a is bet was a probably a PGA tour for a decade and a half or something. Who knows? He probably pays a hundred bucks, where somebody else might well, pay five hundred. He's also a PGA tour winner, so I mean I don't know if that yeah. You know. There's a scale of prices there that they go off of, but it's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It depends on exemptions or, yep. or or status. So Latin America Canadian tour exempt players paid less if you have any of the pga statuses yeah canadian latin america that's way less than just a random person over the last what are we looking at four or five events 
this is one of the only public courses that's used as a qualifying site. So if anyone is interested to see where they stack up against even guys that no one made the cut, how you would play a possible PGA tour course, because again, a lot of the, the tour courses aren't public either. How would you stack up against guys that are making it at least onto that stage? Uh, Victory links is a great way to, to kind of test your skills from those back tees. I, I, okay. This, this could be a grievance this week, but it's not, I just don't under, I get the proximity to TPC. Can we go to a real golf course? You got to go Every, play this thing again. I played you gotta go play it again. You can hit it anywhere one on one side. Every single year during the Monday qualifier there, somebody shows up, Daniel Gale, Arjun Atwal, never seen the course before and shoots 60 or 62. It's It's got to be one of the lowest scoring Monday qualifying sites of the whole year. It happens every year because the course is so wide open and so easy for those guys. I mean, it's just, we'll see. I, I will check this week. We'll check tomorrow. <laughs> And see what Having the Monday played, is down North Carolina, and see if it's see if it's sixty and sixty six and all that. I mean, sixty six could be a number, but every year here, there's some at least one guy that goes crazy low all the time. So having having played Pinnacle Country Club, which is in just outside of of Silvis, Illinois, which is the qualifier for for the John Deere Classic, I can tell you that Victory Links way nicer. Pinnacle. I mean, that place is is damn near dog track public of a country club. Um, so victory links as far as the the conditioning of the course, especially the back nine. I thought the back nine was was really good. Uh, some of the hole designs were phenomenal. There's a 480 yard par four. Uh, there's a 580 yard par five. Uh, there's a 240 yard par three. So I, there's there's length and challenge. In addition to those those yardages, there's also a challenge on the green for the players as well, especially on that back. I will say on the front, you're a bit right. If you're hitting the ball to the right, there's lots of places to bail out. But once you're on the back, there's there's so much distance that's needed, and the greens are are good. They're raised that the back is certainly a challenge for for anyone trying to make it onto the tour. Um, the the one grievance I have is that front routing is is Oh my goodness! I can't imagine bringing a caddy out and and having having to Monday qualify and walk it. Uh, but in a cart, I, it's definitely worth the fifty bucks to go try and 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 play it uh, to see how you would compare if you if you think you ever want to try to Monday in or try to get into your your local state am qualifier or whatever your competitive golf bit might be uh, to get out to Victory Links and give it a go. You guys cheated and carted, huh? We did. We cheated. There's zero <laughs> way we were made. It was already. We had to finish in time. <laughs> this is not a negative on the course. This is who was out there. But holy Christ, we had the PGA Tour treatment by having to wait on every tee box. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a lot. Of, I mean, it's, it was a nice, beautiful night. I mean, that's the other thing. Like it was. You know, we, we played. I mean, I shot 77. Tim shot 81, and we can say at least on the backside there wasn't much wind left. Right, like there was a little bit of wind maybe in the front nine as we or as we were playing, but as the night kind of settled in, it was a beautiful golden hour type of night. Like, you know, the, the greens maybe got a little bit as the, as the night went on, you know, slower and, and stuff. And there's lots of footwork and cleats and stuff that were, um, you know, around the holes and whatnot. But, but yeah, it was like, you couldn't really ask for a better night to, to try to go and shoot a low score. I mean, it was really, the conditions were great. So I don't know what the conditions were at 
the actual qualifier qualifier, but let's keep in mind that Tim and I just played as two buddies. I mean, that's a, a big difference than playing in real tournament style golf. So as even our scores, you could probably add a couple more to that if it was a tournament like an atmosphere and environment because you're putting everything out. And we putted for the most part everything out. I mean, we weren't like giving each other, you know, massive putts or anything. But but um yeah, it was uh it was a it was a fun time, it was a good experience long. I mean hole one, Tim's coming in from two thirty, I'm coming in from just just under that. It's like, is this whole course gonna be like that? But then you you find out that you know that's why these guys were able to shoot what they shot because they are just much longer than we are and they're much better with short irons than we are. And they're much better putters. I mean, they're proximity to the holes. I mean, if you get out of 18 holes, if you're getting, you know, 12, 13 birdie putts, you know, inside 20 feet, there's a good chance these guys are going to make some. I mean, it's just the odds. It's just, it is what it is. These guys, you guys talked about it. These guys spend hours with these gadgets and gizmos putting like Mike hasn't practiced putting for the last 10 years. Oh, things are changing after gonna, watching these guys. These guys, uh, these guys are putting after my in one on, day more practice. Like, on, uh, after Friday afternoon's round, we're just going to start practicing some putting. I mean, it is the moneymaker. Um, I was finding, uh, I kind of found a fun little snippet on some 3M thing. And it was like, it was Chess and Hadley and his caddy. Like, you know, what is your, what is the, your favorite club in the bag? And the caddy just goes, the only club that makes money. And, and it was the putter. Oh, for sure. Because if I watched Tony Fino today just miss every single putt. I mean, he had like 17 pars and he had numerous putts inside 20 feet, didn't make a single one. And there he sits. He takes T7. And if he makes three or four of those, you know, he's looking at second place. I mean, it is important. It's probably the most important club. But at the same time, Guys like Scotty and Rory have proven it's also not the most important club because they hit it so good and put so pa- so badly compared to the rest of the field and they're still finishing the top or win all the fucking time. So it's kind of a, that- it's a it's world-class ball striking. They're, they're, they're making pars. They're not missing greens, you know, where a lot of those guys are, you know, making par pots when they have to. But, is that but a those, realistic expectation but, of our amateur audience, though? Like, no, yeah, no, be, but but if you as ball strikers, but you don't need to be world class. You how just how need about to hit, this, though? Realistically, hit twelve greens, twelve greens around, you're going to score. This, a this is the difference. You know, when we think of Rory, we think of big events, hard golf course. I mean, this is one where you have to make putts. Like you, you can't. Twenty four under was the score. I mean, correct. Roy McIlroy, there's a good chance that he may not have won this tournament just based off of you have to have that putter working on an event like this because. You know, there's a lot of guys that can get to every par five. There's, you know, there's, you know, not yeah. every. Yeah. So, so I'm saying like a term like this, but if a major Rory can just go out there, hit a ton of to the middle of the greens, take his two pots and be fine just because he can, you know. But that's what Lee Hodges, that's how Lee Hodges won this tournament was ball striking. Well, well yeah. I mean, but his, well, yeah, strokes, he, his, his putting was good. He was a, he was a positive, but a bunch of guys putted better than him. His, his, his stats his approach plus 2.14 was almost a full shot better than everybody. At least his T to green when you don't count putting was plus 3.11. The next best was plus 2.25. Kevin Schilbert, everybody else in the top 10 were only plus 1.0. His putting was maybe strokes gain. He might've been in the top 10 of putting. Probably, yeah. I mean, he's probably maybe fifth in putting. So he putted well too, 
but he just out hit the field. Like he was so much better ball striking his approach, his T to green. And then which leads to his total strokes game is plus 4.65 plus 2.9 is the next just best. I mean, buried him. Just killed buried everybody. Him. He yeah. hit it. Clo- he hit it closer than everybody. So he didn't have to putt that well. Cause he hit it. Better. But he still has to make some. I mean, oh, he, for sure. I you watched do. Tony Fino miss like, it seemed like five or six birdie putts inside 10 feet today. Could didn't make a single one of them. You know, it's like, if you, if you put it there, you gotta, you gotta roll the rock to eventually win. You got to make them like Scotty Scheffler's proven that he, you can hit it otherworldly and still not win. If you don't make anything. Yeah. That, that, that was an impressive uh, display of, of just golf. I mean, a guy named Lee Hodges who basically nobody has pegged in, and knowing really much about the guy just comes out and just lights a, a course on fire. And that's what these guys are. I mean, there's so many good players out there that could do this in any given week. You know, Sepp Straka shows up this week and can't even sniff a cut, you know, after going scuba low at the, at the John Deere, right? It's Cameron just, Young. It's, Cameron Young was in the final group of the British. Exactly. So, these, I mean, it's just, it's you know, you watch these guys in the range. It doesn't matter who it is. You'll just look at who's that guy, you know striping them, striping them, striping them. And then, you know, it comes to the tournament, either goes in or doesn't, and that's where we sit. So, I don't know. I thought it was – I thought of this as a tournament, too, for the throwbacks, a big tournament for the throwbacks. You had Snedeker up there. You had Jason Duffner finish top 20. Yeah. The likes of Stewie Sink Corpse came to life. Um, who else? Coocher. Cooch was out there. Uh, <laughs> I saw some good ones, some some classics out there this week. This could be a legitimate gripe of mine or a grievance <laughs> if they if if a bunch of them didn't fucking play well. If they prove their worth, I guess. Streelman, yeah, yeah, all the old guys. This has been a haven. This tournament is for old guys. I I think it's a problem that the PGA Tour is going to have to figure out. They got to find a way to gracefully phase out some of these guys because yeah they pop up once in a while and have a good tournament but by and large when was the last time you heard of Duffner doing anything or Kuchar and find a better path for younger more younger players to play more tour events like for instance Frankie you know Frankie Sappin uh was 34th on the Corn Ferry tour money list with three or four events left only so this was kind of a risk for him to come and play a PGA tour event. He makes the cut at the, uh, at the big boy event and he gets nothing for that on the corn Ferry tour, you know, which to me is kind of wrong. You should get some point something for going and playing in the event that everybody on, on the corn Ferry is aspiring to play in making the cut. And he's going to end up falling in the corn Ferry standings more than likely after their event this week. So I don't know. The whole setup I, needs to be changed somehow. I guess the only thing I can say to that is the fact that it's it's kind of a weird sport in the terms of, you know, when you get to 50, you get to the Champions Tour. And it's like, I think kind of in a way that, that the Tour like knows like that 40 to 50-year-old is kind of in no man's land, right? They're, they don't really have, you know, they're, they're kind of past their prime, but yet there's nothing really for them, right? There's There's no there's no tour between 40 and 50. So like they, they have to kind of, if they've been an effective player as a 25 year old or as a 30 year old, you know, they, they have almost earned a little bit of, of that to be able to play in something just because, because they need something until they turn 50. I mean, we saw, they do, even, but you know, what, 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 what else are they supposed to do? I mean, they, 
you know, they're, know. they're all, they're still drink mint juleps on the porch in the South <laughs> and chill out and retire. I mean, so, well, here's the thing with like guys like Kucher and sink and they are still a name, you know, people recognize the name. So, so tournaments want them, I'm sure. But I do think with more money coming in, you know, with the PIF and the merger with live and all that, whenever it does happen, I don't know. I, I just, there's, there's so many talented players on that corn Ferry tour that they, they should, someone should have chances to play. I mean, I've talked about Shazart who again was top 10, by the way, for his every single event he's played, but like you look at that corn Ferry tour. I mean, the cut was seven under, I know, I know they're not playing as hard a course, but there's a lot of really fucking good players who don't get a chance to play because uh, you know, JJ Henry is out there taking a spot on the PGA tour every week and nobody with zero chance of, of competing none. He just doesn't. And, and I know Kuchar played well and Streelman's a little bit maybe younger than like Kuchar's gotta be damn close to 50 and he played well, but he doesn't compete every week. He's just out there. He makes a cut here and there and what, you know, whatever he played by himself. He made the cut at, John Deere and played by himself in the first group and no one's watching. I mean, <laughs> like, there's like, a couple coaches out there. Come on. But you got to give it to He's only hitting 45. hybrids and everybody else is hitting six irons. Yeah. But that's, that is a serious problem. They're going to have to figure out, um, you know, how to make that work. I think because it's doing a little bit of an injustice to the younger, you know, better. It's a better, at the end of the day, if if it, if there's going to be way more money in this and you're 45 years old and somebody's better than you, they're better than you. What else do you, you know, like you don't see Major League Baseball keeping a bunch of guys around, you know, with canes and crutches or whatever in the, you know, and walkers in the, in the dugout just because they're they're hanging on till retirement or something. I mean, it's the only sport that does this. And I, and I just I don't I don't I don't get it sometimes. Well, I get like, Thomas again, and like, well, it's, but there's that champions tour, right? It's like, that's, that's what they can do when they get to 50. So it's like, you know, you can't play solution. in that until you're at 50. So what do you do? I got a great solution. Just get rid of the champions tour, end it, put the money into the, into the normal tour. I love watching the champion. Okay. Speaking, let's do a little transition. The old yeah. senior open championship was the best tournament of the week. Okay. So Mike wants to get rid of it. it was the best tournament of the week. No, no, no. I mean, well, <laughs> the, so, open, the open can stay. So I think, you know, well, let's talk about this for a quick second. Probably with this live, you know, merger and more money coming in from the Saudis, I'm guessing helps save the champions tour. The champions tour bleeds money. No, they don't make money. Nobody goes to watch it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, the Champions Tour lives off the PGA Tour. That's it. The PGA Tour pays for the Champions Tour. The Champions Tour isn't making enough money to, uh, you know, like fund itself. They have some sponsors, whatever. But this week was epic. Royal Porth Crawl, which is, um, oh, it is in Wales on the western, southwestern coast of Wales, just probably west of the capital city of Cardiff, like 45 miles. And the weather was apocalyptic what mother what i what what i what i grieved about with mother nature last week see she's listening to the pod she showed up not a not a single player on the weekend the Broke aliens par. with the weather machine yes. not think about that major championship senior they play up a little bit in it you know they're not playing back all the way like the like the you know the younger guys 
Not a single player in the field broke par on Saturday or Sunday. None of them. It was it was amazing to watch. Colin Montgomery shot 88 today. Out there. <laughs> Did <you> really? <laughs> yes. That low ball fight? Come on, 20, 26 players shot over 80 today. It was it was amazing to watch. They were hats for whatever reason. VJ Singh had two hats on, like a winter hat and a normal like bucket hat, and it's flying <laughs> off. It was amazing. Alex Chaka won, and he was trying to be stable putting. He was like almost doing the splits. He was such a wide base putting. It, if if you can find the the, the footage of it, go backwards it, on like YouTube or whatever. It was so fun to watch because the wind was just howling. The waves on the on the Irish Sea were like white caps. It was awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, Chica won uh, over Potty, right? Yeah, Patty chunked the he chunked the chip on the second okay, playoff on hole. The second one, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was I saw a little bit of it. I just saw the scores were wild. It was uh, fun, fun plus at, seven, so. plus seven easily got you with a, easily a top ten finish at seven over. So was it was it just like side wind or was it into the wind? They couldn't carry things or what? Windy, rainy. Well, the playoff hole was a par five straight down, down wind. wind. They hit seven so, iron, yeah. seven iron in. Patty went way over the green. Then he's then his and Chaka hit it on and two putt for birdie. And Patty's first chip went like five feet. <laughs> nervy he didn't go unconscious <laughs> nervy chip you got to get over that chip look at it and just react like an athlete watching these guys try to putt that's the funnest part like it's just howling and the, a puddle sit on the edge and they'll just be standing there waiting for the wind to blow it in or blow it out or, or the wind will be holding it up so they're like how is this not going in well you're putting it straight into like a 40 mile an hour wind it's awesome it's it, i wish somehow the open could be like that every single year it would be the best that's something you can't control, unfortunately. Um, and then I was just going to point out the Evian Championship. Celine Boutier wins by six shots over Brooke Henderson as well. So that was another. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like, you know, outside the senior open, just a lot of tournaments that just have a player that's just going lights lights yeah. out. And even the, the, the you know, the major at Pebble, you had, I can't remember her name, but she went lights out. I mean, it's like, it's really you're getting this one player that gets locked in for the week. And it's like, it's, it's great to watch really good golf, but like the tournaments yeah. don't bring a lot of excitement. Once that make a blowout. Boutier hometown girl in France wins their, you know, that's like the 58th major they have on the LPGA tour. They got so mm-hmm. many damn majors. This one shouldn't be a major, but you could have sat on the 16th green with a case of beer and just had a blast. Cause that was like freaking like, windmill type mini golf stuff did you watch it at all <laughs> i did not see that you see some of these ladies try to chip and stuff on this green it's got a bunch of swales it's a par three i watched the gal chip one from the very front like fringe and immediately go whoa and it just it went so far past the hole it was crazy that was the one they were complaining about you know at the beginning of the week 16 it was great i again the best tv was was that this morning and the old old guys they were amazing. You love failure is what you're saying. You just love yes, when people of fail. of course. You want to see people looking like us. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's get to Mike's grievances. You know, you, you have these yep. things that you think about the week, and you've got a few grievances that you want. It's kind of a new part of the podcast as we close out here. And, Tim, feel free to add any if you've got any grievances. But, uh, yeah, I, I will just say before we get to the grievances, the positivity. Um Mike Walsh does a fantastic job out at 3M. I just feel like the vibes are cool out there. I don't know what the attendance was or anything, but like I just feel like they tried to at least 
maximize what they're given and what they have. I think the field was decent. I feel like things for people to do options are, are there, you know, yeah, the stilly deck added there's, there's things, the water, I mean, they're trying and that's yep. ultimately all you can ask for. So great job by him this week. Uh, shout out to his son, Gavin, who got us on victory links, which was a connection. We had no idea at the end. He tells us, Oh, by the way, my dad's Mike Welch. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Nice. Uh, uh, so anyways, yeah, Mike, let's get to the, yeah, the grievances. I mean, I'll just piggyback on you. I think my, I think Mike does a great job with, with, with uh, a date that makes it really difficult to get players to want to show up the week after the open. Uh, I will say though, I think the new playoff format helps because, you know, this year for the first time you have to be in the top 70, not top 125. So you had some guys showing up like JT and some guys, you know, who had to come like Lee Hodges, for instance, was 70, like fourth. He was, that was a, this was huge for him. He went all the way like 33rd. Um, you know, he's got his true card next year, but it also probably almost for sure secures him a top 50 finish, which gets you into all the elevated events next year. So that's a, that's that was a big, that was a big tournament for him. But yeah, I think 3M does a good job of, of finding stuff for people to do out there. Um, you know, the routing's pretty easy to get around and everything. And they were great to us. I mean, the media tent was awesome. We can kind of do whatever we want in there. And um, yeah, so no qualms there. But I do have a couple. I only have one grievance that's technically related to the 3M. And that is um, some of the exemptions. Uh, most of them were good. They give a bunch of Minnesota exemptions. You know, Frankie can play and our guy D. Hitch can play. Uh, but they gave one to Thomas Lehman. Tom Lehman, like the most Minnesotan thing ever. You know, we've had like three golfers in the history of the state that are famous. Let's make sure the one son gets a, <laughs> let's make sure the one son gets an exemption because his dad helped co-design the golf course or whatever. Next Ridiculous. year it's going to be a heron. It's going to be a heron. It's got. We got to keep. Could be. Well, keep okay. Carson well, Heron, a good player. Carson okay. Heron would have a better chance. At least you know he's a accomplished amateur. I mean, Thomas Lehman. I don't, I don't know what he shot the second day. First day wasn't awful. It was like seventy six or something. But like he had zero chance of making that cut. Zero. Like less than zero. Uh, and there he that, that why there are so it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. There are so many good players who would kill for that chance uh, you know to think that actually like, that can play like frankie you know on the corn free and granted some of those guys wouldn't take it because but if you if you offered it some they would for instance i guarantee you if you offered uh adrian dumont dacia's art the guy i talk about all the time who's for sure going to have a tour card next year he's already he's got it locked up i bet you he would take a week off and come and play and he's a stud like give it to somebody that has a chance to you know or, or in the future is going to be a top top guy out there that that drives me nuts mm -hmm. um the second grievance i have has to do with the usga because this is total bullshit so they had the u.s junior amateur championship and tommy morrison played i think he was maybe the medalist um tommy morrison is six foot nine and he is going to be a sophomore in college he i, I suppose he's maybe young for his age i don't know He's played an entire year where he was on, on the University of Texas top. You know, this is not like some crappy college program. This is a top 10 college program. He's played an entire season of college golf at the highest level. And he's out there playing against a bunch of high schoolers. What a joke. Just a fucking joke. The USGA should be ashamed of themselves. Tommy Morrison should be ashamed of himself. Anybody involved in this just 
ridiculous, just stupid. It just His needs parents, to be changed. The aliens, yeah. <laughs> Every, yes, everybody in the galaxy that had doing with this. This, this should be. <laughs> if anybody from the USJ is listening to this, change the damn rule. It's not complicated. Forget the age and just say, okay, the moment you graduate high school, you can play the summer after. And that's it. Once you've played a college event, you are no longer a U.S. junior. You can try to make the U.S. am. Be a man. Good God. Um, um, you think uh, six nine? You think Shaka Smart has taken a peek at him? Yeah, or he's six nine. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I I know what he's probably thinking because I've Wait been a second. Reading... Hold on a second. Shaka's not at Texas anymore. He's at Marquette now, isn't he's he? Marquette, yeah. But, I was uh, Texas guy, but um. Because I, I believe now, if you win the U.S. Junior, you get an exemption into the U.S. Open. So okay. that's probably why. But that's that's why. why. Don't you? I, I was talking to a another college Division One college golf coach, and he said the exact same thing. It's a joke. He's played an entire season of high level college golf. He shouldn't be playing. You know, Minnesota had two kids that made the top thirty-two who have played high school golf, and they're both not even seniors in high school, and they might have to play this guy who's played every college event possible. It's just a joke. Complete ridiculousness. Well, that's that's, that's how Jeff and I feel when we show up and have to play your tall ass all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm so, I got, I got We're waiting for the aliens to abduct you away from our matches. Such a pedigree I have. We're coming for him, Tim. We're coming for him. Once he Dear starts alien, practicing, he's aliens take the large oh, one. Take I the large I one. I can't. I unless old unless age starts really catch up me. I can't get much worse than this year so far. So with practice, <laughs> I can only get better. Ty. Ties me once retires. <laughs> yeah, we'll see tomorrow if we play. I do. I I've, got, got, I've got two. I've got two grievances myself. Uh, one was, and having having this be my third tournament uh, this year with media credentials. Uh, so there there are some some other places to compare, but my God, there were so many volunteers. It, does does no one? work anymore are all these boomers just retired in minnesota but once yes, thursday sure. hit the amount of authoritarianism that was out on this course and and the smugness of some of these volunteers oh, like yeah. oh you need to be behind the ropes and oh we have to wand you for this like i you just wanted me back there for metal devices like <laughs> my goodness i counted there were seven people around the 10 green and not one single person was doing anything but lift a rope and improperly or raising their hands when no one was even at a dress over the golf ball. Like, why are you telling me to be quiet? There's a group in the fairway. They haven't even moved. I'm on the tee. Just the, the, they need to really cut back on the number of volunteers. They're all in the way. None of them know what to do. They don't understand golf. And if you would actually have a reasonable amount of one or two on the tee and it's five or six through the entirety of the whole total, you might have a little bit better golf experience and, the fans might actually be able to see around these people in these awful green shirts. It was just so bad. Um, <laughs> well, I could piggyback on this too. Um, for one, it's just, it's like old retired guys volunteering. We were talking to the one is like, well, nobody could drive it down there. I, I've been doing this for 27 years. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they can. Uh, you know, the one guy, but I think there's, there's two, there's two types of people with a real like chip or a complex, you know, about a power trip, we'll call it in, in the world. That's uh small town cops who have been lived in that town the whole time. Now they're the boss and volunteers at a PGA tour event because they, they, <laughs> they think they, that, that rope, that rope closes. There's no getting through, even though the one rope was hanging at like our ankles that one time on, on Saturday. 
it's like the levels of hell. I don't know what the bottom one is, but this is damn near the bottom. It's just full of the the three M volunteers just holding ropes. Uh, the other one, I finally went and walked through that that fan village, and this isn't necessarily a gripe, but they had tug of war, and we could have had the best oh, tug of war competition. Hell yeah, that'd have been amazing. Me and yeah. Tim versus Mike. That'd have been great. Yeah. You guys would have been, been so funny. You guys would have been screwed. The Berkeys would have just dug right into the ground and I would have <laughs> held the line. Oh. <laughs> and that would have been and that would have been golf that mattered right there. And that's that's my biggest regret. It's awesome. Oh man. All right. Well, there's a lot there. Anything else before we close up today? No, we got nothing. Look out, look out the Look out the starry skies tonight. There might be golf up there in the future. <laughs> we got the Wyndham coming up this week, right? The last of the regular season events. So those, you know, such as Justin Thomas, I'm sure, you know, you got your Billy Horschels, the guys that have, you know, won the FedEx before or competed for it before are really going to try to have to basically have a win, right? I mean, how else do they get inside? Well, I got a, I got a way for Justin Thomas here. I, I saw this somewhere. Zach Johnson runs a charity golf tournament or somewhere uh, for some charity. And JT is a guest this year playing. He's really groveling for that position. He's even, <laughs> he's never played in it before. He's going to play in the Zach Johnson charity golf. He's trying to get on that squad anyway. Wow. He is smooching buns there, huh? Holy <laughs> crap. We have to get Tim on boots on the ground to ask him the hard hitting questions that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Heck yeah. Oh, funny. All right. Well, a good time with you guys tonight. Uh, yeah, should be, uh, you know, uh, it, they're, they're going to do the old classic, you know, what they'd like to do at the Wyndham is they like to, you know, every shot somebody hits, they like to put where they are in the FedEx oh, cup, yeah. you know, green versus red. So make yeah. sure you track that this week as people are, are grinding for those spots. But uh, as you know, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Be today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold Did you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.